As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Been a quiet week in the Villa world. Greg and Holly join me as always. Holly, how are you? What have you been up to in this quiet week? Although I suppose not quiet for you on the news desk. Yeah, no, I was working all through Easter weekend, so it's been pretty busy covering, obviously, some very big games over the weekend and FA Cup football so it's actually really fun and uh, very good games of football to watch while Villa take a break. It's sometimes nice for Villa to have a little bit of a break as well when it's not been great sometimes it's good that there's no game. Greg what about you? Who have you been covering? You'll have been off somewhere covering something for sure. Yes I was covering Liverpool versus Man City in the FA Cup semi-final. We sent a reporter to various locations across the world. Um, I made the long two mile trek up to my local pub to watch it in aid of Jack Grealish, who is also his local pub as well. Um, so yeah, we had we had basically a reporter in each city for each player on the Liverpool and Man City team, um, uh, and wrote a report from there because we are very different at the at the Athletic. How was that? Yeah, it was okay. It was a really nice sunny day, so there were a lot of people. Uh, in the beer garden, I actually watched the game from inside and, and chatted to some of the locals. Like literally, everybody in that pub knows Jack Grealish; they know his name. Um, it's, a, it's a mix of, of Birmingham City and Aston Villa fans, so they've all got an opinion on him. Um, and the, the the full write up is is on the app. Not checked that out yet. I'll check that out after this podcast. I wasn't aware that you did that. Thank you very much, Greg. Let's talk about Aston Villa. Then the season's grinding to a halt. A blank week for Aston Villa. That's given us a little bit of time to stew on a frustrating period. Holler, how's your stewing been? I've been trying to avoid any stewing because I feel like it's quite easy to go down a hole of negativity, especially with after the weekend's results, Villa have dropped down to 15th. And you kind of begin to have that thought of, is there a chance of relegation? You feel confident that there isn't be it because of the games we still have left, you know, Burnley twice and Norwich, and you'd like to think those are games we pick up points in. So I've tried to stew not massively. I'm more just kind of like a lot of Villa fans probably hoping the season c- comes to an end quite quickly and can look into the summer and who we bring in. Horrible that Newcastle have overtaken us, Greg. Not really what we wanted to say, especially when we have a Newcastle fan as a producer and we were giving it the big one. At the, well, not so much you. I was giving it the big one at the start of the season. 
I guess Villa now under Gerard, where they are, it's kind of we've broken even. We're kind of a little bit where we were when he came in. Not great, really. It's quite disappointing because when he first came in, there was an initial bounce. Typically, you know, you get that from new managers. You hope that you get that. If you don't, then there are problems. It just feels like Villa have left let left a few of the results out there certainly I think back to the Watford game the Brentford game away um, those are probably games that Villa would have expected to have won um, Leeds at home that one just slipped away from them um, you know and the fact that they just haven't been able to beat a team above them you know that's the, that's the real uh, sorry in the top eight um, keep thinking that Villa are ninth you know the fact that they've Brent slipped all the way down must be a little bit of a yeah. problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they, they've slipped down a little bit in recent weeks, haven't they? Which you know, if you look at the actual league table now, it is quite disappointing because it's not far off in terms of a league position um, where Villa were when when Steven Gerrard came in. I suppose the only difference is Villa were only two points above the relegation zone when he came in. Um, he has at least managed to drag them away from that relegation bother. Um, and, and as Holly said, I think we've seven games to go and, and some. Games that you'd look at that you think Villa would win. Um, I don't see there being an issue of them going down this year, fortunately. There is a chance that Villa, Villa can end the season on, on, on a positive note, because that's what you want, really. If you if you end a season well, it can carry on into into the next season. If you end it badly, the exact same thing can happen, but in a negative way. Yeah, of course, yeah. And then, you know, you, Dean Smith lost his job after losing five games in a row, but... It wasn't that five-game period that 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 um, that was the actual deciding factor. It was his, uh, it was Villa's run of results over the calendar year, and you know, Gerard will be looking at that now. If he, if if Stephen Gerrard gets to October, November, and the run hasn't picked, you know, the, the run of results haven't picked up, then of course he's going to be in trouble uh, and, and and looking over his shoulder at potentially what might happen to his job. So yeah, it's really important for Villa to finish on a high. Um, they've got to get some results together. If they can, if they can, you know, if they can put a run, a sequence of wins together, it might help attract a different level of player in the summer. Um, you know, players will be looking at Villa thinking. I might, you know, look, for example, Villa can't go and sign an elite player from um, a top seven Premier League club at the moment because they're just not going to go to Aston Villa. They're not going to give up what they've got at that club financially um, and in terms of what they could perhaps achieve to come to Villa when when they're in 15th place in the table, you know, so... They need to have those pulling factors as, 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 um, to, help, to help bring players in. Just staying with you, Greg, do you think you've said about Dean Smith lost his job off the back of a bad 12 months? If the board have got slight doubts about Gerard and we get to September and October and the same conversation is happening that, that was happening with Dean Smith, do you think that they're potentially going into the summer a bit less enthusiastically than, than they would have been because they'd be worried about handing Gerard the money or will it not matter because of the, the structure of the, of what goes on in the transfer dealings? From my understanding, everything's geared up towards next season now. You know, the board and and um the board wanted to want to get into seventh place and above as quickly as possible. They hoped it could have been this year, probably an unrealistic ambition, um, just because of the amount of time that Villa need to catch up with teams above them. You know, it was only three seasons ago they were in the championship. It, the rebuilding job is huge. Um Villa want to be seen as the best of the rest, you know, and, and that will be next season. You know, that uh, Nassif Swearis and Wes Edens would have had five seasons at the club at the end of next season. And, and the plan was always to, to be, to be you know, kicking on 
trying to get back into those top six, seven positions. I think in terms of what Gerard will have in this transfer window, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because De Villa go and get two or three big players at £50 million plus that will really take them on. Uh, or do they stick to the same sort of brackets where you're looking at between 20 and 35 million and getting players of a similar calibre of what they've bought in already? I think, um, you know, if you look at the strikers, for example, Ollie Watkins and, and Danny Ings haven't quite hit the heights that they would have expected this season. But you look down the Premier League and you think, well, realistically, who, who, who are the players that are doing well? that Villa could get in that are better than Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings. I mean, for me, there really aren't too many that, that Villa could actually go and go and get. Not going to get Cristiano Ronaldo. They're not going to get Hong Ming Son. They're not going to get not with that attitude, uh, Greg. Ha- ha- Harry Kane. <laughs> but they're not going to, Dan. Know, you know, they're know. not, are they? I mean, we, you know, we, we have to be realistic and think Villa are not going to go and sign an elite player um, from a, a Tottenham or an Arsenal or a Man United. Uh, you know, to even think that they could get someone from Man City or Liverpool is just laughable at this point in time. So you look down the league and you think, well, who, who's better than Ollie Watkins? And then you, you look at it in the same defensively. Unless Villa are going to go and spend £40 million or £45 million or £50 million on a centre-half, who realistically is going to be better than Tyrone Mings and Esri Konza? So that's the situation they're in in the summer. They've got to look at... Um, how that we know it's got to be it's got to be careful it's got to be planned it's got to be strategic but how ambitious are they going to be um and i think there's a bit of pressure now on on the recruitment team you know and the scouts and and, and Johan langer as the sporting director to get it right because they've spent a lot of money and not all of the players have worked have they and, and, and they've been big investments i think you're right i think they'll look at the core of the side so i think you know, that Gerard will want his own centre-back, he'll want his own central midfielder and he'll want his own striker. Whether or not they get them is a completely different thing. But just to pick up on what Greg said, Hollow, you know, talk about upgrading the striking department, maybe. I'm just thinking about the, the teams, you know, that are the best of the rest at the moment, Wolves and West Ham. Now, Antonio and Jimenez, they've probably got a similar amount of goals as Watkins. You know, there isn't many strikers around and there isn't many strikers that are hitting the back of the net with regularity, really. No, there definitely isn't. Um... Again, kind of off what Greg said, you know, and what you said, Gerard will want kind of his own central system. And, and I still, I don't feel confident I know what that is in terms of how he wants to play as a, as a forward three or a forward two or, four or a single lone striker. So I'm kind of intrigued to see what Gerard's plan would be next season. And like you said, I don't think there really is many other options. Obviously, Ollie Watkins is wanting to push to be kind of that number two to, to Harry Kane at the World Cup in, in the winter. And Watkins will know that he needs to improve between now and that time if he wants to be going to the World Cup. So I think there's a lot on Ollie Watkins to, to show a bigger improvement and score more goals than the, the players you've mentioned, Antonio or Jimenez. The kind of only player yesterday I kind of thought about doesn't have that much Premier League experience because he's had little to no game time. But um, and Ketia has his contract running out at the end of this season. Arsenal have offered him new contracts. I'm not saying I think he's linked to Villa, but I think he could be one of those names that floats around because he wants game time. And if, if Villa offer him that, who knows, maybe he does come over towards Villa and under Steven Gerrard and, and he could be a player that surprisingly thrives. So again, it's all for, for Villa and, and kind of what decisions, the key decisions they need to make over the next few months. You mentioned the recruitment team, Greg. Is Langer under a little bit of pressure? Because like you say, you know, the midfield hasn't really been upgraded since we got promoted. 
a lot of the big signings, you can't really quantify any of them as been a, a guaranteed success so far, that a definite success that you tick off and say, yes, that's worked. You know, Suso came under a fair bit of, of pressure and ended up losing his job. Would the same thing happen to Langer? I, I don't know what the situation is in terms of how safe his job is. I know that the the, uh, the board are very pleased with um, you know they they like him and they they like his approach and and and, and he's popular around the place. Obviously, works heavily you know with data and backs up every target with you know real detailed dossier on, on players to show that look we're not just buying this player because we like you know what he what he's about. These are the stats that prove he can come and perform well for us um, unfortunately it hasn't quite worked you know D- Danny Ings scored five goals in 24 games um, you know he was a one in two striker at Southampton so you know the stats that that, that, that they that they used to sign Danny Ings were, were, were all there to see it's easy to say that though. you've got to let him go and do it and he hasn't really done it for, for Aston Villa yet look at a couple of the other players Morgan Sanson hasn't worked for him Leon Baylor again another one it hasn't worked Emi Buendia is not playing you know these are big big players you know Luca Dean coming in instead of um, uh, replacing Matt Target is he an improvement on Matt Target Target's having a nice time at Newcastle we, we debate this every single week I think and you know I feel like a broken record my thoughts when Luca Dean was signed was yes Villa are probably going to get a bit more in the attacking area but they might lose something defensively and Villa have lost four games on the bounce and they can't really defend at the moment. So it's finding the right balance, isn't it? You know, you, you can't just put it on the players. You can't put just put it on the recruitment team. You can't just put it on one of the managers, either Dean Smith or Stephen Gerrard. It's, it's a collective thing, you know. Everyone's underperforming a little bit. The signings that they've made haven't quite worked. The players aren't quite living up to the expectations and hitting the heights that they expected. The manager, um, Dean Smith, didn't, didn't get the results that he needed, perhaps needed to change things. Stephen Gerrard, the same. You know, everyone's got to look at themselves and think, well, if we can all perform a little bit better, then that'll help the club collectively. And also the issue is, Holly, you can't just write players off after a season because undoubtedly you end up taking a hit and either the fact of loading them out and you're paying a massive proportion of their wages or if Villa were to shift Bailey, let's say, they're getting nowhere near back what they paid for him because he's had a wasted season, essentially. So it's a difficult position because... You do need to give certain players time. And I look at every signing Villa have made. And at the time, I sat there and thought, that's a good signing. I like that. I see what they're doing there. But too many haven't really come to fruition this season. With how the last two transfer windows have gone, I don't think any Villa fan would be kind of mad with the signings that have been made. I think, again, the only issue is that we didn't sign a natural defensive midfielder. But... we've kind of just said it over and over again, Villa have got such an arduous task in front of them. How how clinical, how cutthroat are they in terms of getting rid of players that they've bought in over just the last 12 months? You know, do they just say no to Coutinho because the wages demand is going to be too high and, and they want to have a good financial model? Or do they take the risk and bring him in permanently because it helps bring in other big names because they'll want to play with the likes of, of Coutinho? So off the top of my head, the names that I feel confident that could go in the summer that would make sense financially in terms of making that that investment back would be the likes of like Courtney Horse, who's, who's you know, obviously not playing. Callum Chambers has come in and kind of overtaken him. So I think they could make okay money off of him. But like you've said, getting rid of Ings at this current moment in time, I don't think you'd make that money back. And, and you've got no. other players that Villa have made. Bailey, for example, I think you have to keep him and hope that you can make the, the investment back after the following season when he's, you know, not not constantly missing game time because of injuries. So 
Villa and Gerard have got a very difficult summer ahead because they'll want to make sure that they're not throwing all this money out on new players, but also not losing money by selling players that they've previously purchased. So I don't envy Steven Gerrard and, and the task ahead of Aston Villa. What's the news on the beat about Coutinho, Greg? What are, what are Villa doing? I was, I'm still am pretty certain in my head that Villa will sign him. But there is a few murmurings now that, that they're not going to and that they want him to take less wages. Is it a case of it all being agreed or, you know, what's, what's going on with that? Well, I think I said about a month ago, Villa know exactly what they need to pay him to get him um, at this moment in time. And, and, and Coutinho's wage at Barcelona, there's no way that, it, that Villa will pay that. Um, you know, that they have a structure in place that they don't want to break. That, that structure can change slightly as the as the club becomes more successful, um, you know, contracts will, will be loaded towards players um, having increasing wages if the club reaches certain targets or if they become, you know, European contending club. For Coutinho, Villa like him, Steven Gerrard likes him, of course, he knows him well. Um, he knows at this point in time that, that, that the wages are going to be an issue. There's a fee that's agreed with Barcelona. You know whether whether that fee ever changes or not. I, I'm not I'm not privy to those conversations. Uh, whether it can be or not, I don't know. Um, you know that'll be something that the, the two clubs will have to agree. But when he came in January, there was a fee that was set aside for Villa to make it permanent in the summer. Um, personal terms were not agreed, but Villa knew the figure that they would have to pay to get him. So that fee is that cast off this season's budget, or would that be the summer's budget? Um, it would probably be going to the next accounting period, yeah. So that would come out of whatever Gerard wants to spend on the rest of the of the transfer market, because you know it is an expensive outlay for a, a twenty nine year old, and his wages are going to be pretty monumental, especially in in the relation to what Villa have paid on wages in the past. But I look at it and think again: Are Villa going to get a better number ten in than Philip Coutinho? No. So we have to sign him if we can. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I think if Villa can get a deal done, then then great. Uh, you know, they're not going to they're not going to make him uh, the highest paid player by a ridiculous amount of money because that's not what they're that's not what they're about. Villa they they try and stick to um, it's an incredibly high budget, but they they you know for compared to many other clubs, but they try and stick to a level where they're not going absolutely crazy um, and potentially leaving the club. Uh, in, in, in financial ruin in the future, and look as you say, Coutinho is twenty nine years old. I think, I think he has still got a good couple of years left. You know, in the Premier League, I think he can still perform, uh, and with the right players around him, with the right system, I think he can really help Villa. So they'll be aware of that. And as you said, Dan, yeah, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise for me, Coutinho coming in four, four or five months after Villa broke their transfer record to sign Emi Buendia. Um, but if you get that opportunity to bring someone like that in, then you you know why not? Getting used to the local amenities as well. I heard that he had a lovely time at Drayton Manathene Park yesterday. Again, been there again. So you know he's settling into the area, settling into the area. I'm not sure how good Drayton Manor is nowadays compared to the the other theme parks, but yeah, apparently that's what he was doing on his time off. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's look now at what subscribers want to see between now and the end of the season. And Holly, Paulie says, now that Nakamba's back, play him with Louise and give Bailey a chance on the wing, maybe with Coutinho as a number 10 and Buendia on the other wing behind a striker. Gerard needs to be more flexible. Where do you sit with that? I agree with pretty much all of what Paul said, except I'd probably put him with McGinn over Douglas Louise. If, if I'm honest, I still think he's probably more reliable than, than Louise. Um, I think Gerard has the flexibility to do exactly what Paul's asking for. It's just whether he will and, and whether it all gels in training and then would also gel on the pitch. So I think that exactly what he's saying there is is probably what a lot of Villa fans would like to see. If it doesn't work, then at least you know if it works, great, it's an option for the rest of the season. So i just come back to what we were talking about. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, Greg. You know, Villa signed these players to replace Jack Grealish, but none of them play on the left. Really, that just doesn't make sense now. I look back at it and can't believe I didn't pick that out at the time. That that just makes no sense at all. To, to be fair to Bailey, you know, he, he did have time. He's he better on the right, isn't it? That's where he's he better does on best the right, right because he, he was kind of in Kai Havertz's shadows, um, you know, at Bayer Leverkusen before. And he, when, when Havertz left, he moved over to the right. But previously, when Havertz was at Leverkusen, he played on the left. So, he, you know, he has played there and he can play there. Um, but... When you're losing somebody like Jack Grealish, you want you, ideally you want a specific replacement, don't you? It's a real funny one looking back at the summer now. Like I said at the time, I, st- I definitely sat there on podcast and was say, "Good signing, like what they're doing there." I get it, but you can can look back at things and think, "Hmm, what was I thinking at that, at that point when, when I was saying that?" Yeah, I think I think it's easy, isn't it, to get carried away by you know that I think as a, as a supporter who maybe doesn't watch doesn't watch um, you know the. German German league every every week doesn't know about specific characters. Um, you know they just they, if a supporter sees a, a thirty million pound player coming in. I'm sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm picking on Bailey here. I'm not. I'm just saying in general. You know if a thirty million pound player comes in from from Germany who uh, has had a decent season in terms of plenty of goals and assists and, and he's fast and his YouTube clips look good. It's easy to get excited, isn't it? But until you know the character and um, you know what he's like, and if, if you're a scout, you know that, that's what I try and do. I try and speak to as many scouts who, who have gone and, and watched those games regularly because they go and see him and they go and see various players and watch them specifically and know what they're about and know what their attitudes like, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And again, this isn't just focused on Bailey; it's um, it's it's in general. Um, so you hear things when player when players come in. You hear things. Well, maybe that guy's not quite um, as good as, as as good as many people think. Um, maybe you know his, his injury record's a little bit bad. His attitude's not as good as it as it was. So you hear all these things. And and, and again, to re, to reiterate, this isn't about Bailey. I'm speaking generally here. Um, so th- there were some question marks uh, around some of Villa's recent signings um, in the last eighteen months. And you know, kind of showing a little bit now because they haven't all hit the ground running. Now, the thing I was just thinking whilst Greg was talking, Holly, is that these players have, have come in. I don't really feel like I know them. I don't feel like I've heard much from them in interviews and stuff this season. Like Leon Bailey, I haven't got a clue about him. 
as, as, as a person, really, because the funny players you tend to hear from from Villa are the ones that have been there a few years now. You think of Matty Cash, Emi Martinez, Mings. You know, it's, the, it's the same people, McGinn, that, that you probably hear from in interviews. But I'd love to hear what Leon Bailey has thought of, of his of his first year at Villa. But you just haven't heard anything off these players either. So you feel like you don't you don't know them either. Yeah, when I'm when I was in the press box for the Tottenham Aston Villa game uh, last year. I I spoke to someone that I knew within Villa's media team and, and we kind of both spoke about how positive kind of just the system within Villa, Villa seems to feel on the inside and like coming out looking from like a media's point of view and a fan's point of view. But I'd say since the start of the calendar year, I feel like, and this isn't really necessarily a negative point to Villa, but I feel like to me, it looks like they've kind of obviously really taken all their focus into making sure they finish as, as positively as possible under Gerard. And I, I agree with you. I feel like, the interviews and stuff haven't been as frequent and, and as kind of personable. Um, unless I've missed them, I really used to enjoy those those interviews they did in the cars where the players would drive. Yeah. Um, like those were quite... Cham- the quite, heady championship days. Yeah, like those were quite enjoyable. They were short, they were sweet and you just felt like you really knew the players more and I think that that's probably lacked a little bit this season. I, I agree with you. I, I feel like I barely know Buendia and Bailey other than following yeah. them on social media and it'd be really great to hear from them. Maybe it's because obviously Bailey, you know, has had a rough time with injuries. Same for the likes of Nakamba but hopefully as the season kind of comes to an end we can learn more about them and, and kind of also make a bit of a decision on how well they fit into the team based on who they are as a person and not just as a player so yeah, I, I agree with you I feel like there's been that kind of little bit of, of, of slack in terms of knowing the players more Yeah, and Thomas W he wants to see some of the exciting youth players given a chance going into the back end of the season Greg, Chuck Wemeka, Erogbenham, O'Reilly, Christine you've been writing about Villa's youth in midfield haven't you in recent weeks? Yeah, and, and and look, I mean, maybe it was bad timing to 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 write that article on the back of Villa needing a new midfielder because it wasn't a case of me trying to promote these youngsters and saying that they're ready for the first team um, because they're not. You know, they're they're eighteen year old boys who, um, uh, all four, sorry, and, and one's nineteen. You know, I mentioned Timmy Rugbunam, uh, Tommy O'Reilly, Taylor J Hart, and and Hayden Lindler. You know. Three 18-year-olds, one 19-year-old, none of them between them have had a loan spell yet. They all need to go and experience men's teams football first. You know, Eric Boonham is the standout of the of the four. Um, he's been in and around the first team squad this season. He obviously came on against Brighton. Um, Hayden Lindley made his uh, debut up at Barrow when Villa won 6-0. So, you know, they've had that, they've had a little bit of a taste of the first team environment and what it's like. Um, you know, they're regularly pushed up into training, but they're not going to come in and be better than um, what Villa have at the moment, you know. Douglas Louise, John McGinn, uh, Jacob Ramsey, and um, Morgan Sanson, of course, and the Camber returning. These are you know players who have been around the top flight of, of various countries for some time, and they are going to be more advanced. I think what I'd like to see maybe is Eric Boonham or, or perhaps even O'Reilly, because there are some uh, rave reviews about his performances in training and, and, and under-23 games. I'd just like to see them used maybe a little bit more um, in these closing games of the season, perhaps off the bench for 15, 20 minutes, or maybe even one of them gets a start towards the you know the very end. Um, Chukwemeka, I think we kind of know what he's about um, and you know he's, he's been in almost every match day squad hasn't he this season so uh, you know he, he's had a, he's had a little bit of a taste of it too but not much recently he's yet to get to sign his deal is he so I mean whether whether they're thinking well if you're not signing then um, you know perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll readdress that when you're looking at it in the summer um, he, he will sit down with Villa in the summer and, and decide then on his future so 
Yeah, I would say that works both ways. You know, Villa can turn around and say, well, you're not signing a contract, so we're not going to put you on the pitch. But then, contrastingly, if he's not getting on the pitch, he's going to think, well, I'm not signing a new contract then because I'm not getting any minutes. This is it, yeah. It's, a, it's you know, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a... bit of an impasse it's a, with this, It's an awkward one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's an, yeah, I mean, it has been this way for some time. Um, you know, that uh, it's my understanding he'll, he'll, he'll chat about it in the summer and then, then go from there. He's going to have options, but it's... Uh, you know, you're still contracted to Villa, so. Yeah, just while we've got you, Greg. I've said that like we've got you for five minutes on the phone, knock it to Fernie. But Keane and Davis, the hamstrings ended this season early for Forest. That's a big blow for their promotion push because he's been key in getting them up the table and they've still got an excellent chance of getting in the Premier League. Do you know much about his future now? What's he going to be thinking? I, I think now he's had a taste of, of like first-team football and mm-hmm. done well. There's going to be a lot of interest in him from championship teams. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, there was, there's, there's been a lot of interest in him for some time now. You know, every time he's been very unlucky with, with transfer windows because Villa have either A needed him to cover another injury. Look back to that time when, when Wesley got injured on, on New Year's Day. He was, he was certain to go out on loan at that, at that window. Um, but didn't because Villa needed him. Other windows, when he's about to gone out, he's picked up an injury. So what, what, what he, what has, Worked wonders for him at Forest. He's, he's gone there. He's played the games. Steve Cooper's really looked after him. You know, hasn't pushed him that hard in training. Has gave him the extra recovery time that he needs, um, and just allowed him to to feature in the games as regularly as, and as often as possible. I think he's performed really well. Um, hasn't scored that many goals, but but has scored goals, which is what he needed. Lovely celebration against Birmingham City. Yeah, and he, one and of the highlights of recent months. He loves it as well, doesn't he? I mean, look, you can, he can. He's loving it. You know, you can see it in his. You know, in his face, he's loving playing. He's loving scoring these goals. Um, he's. Ter- I mean, look, we always knew he was a bit of a, a bit of a monster in terms of you know, really strong boy. Um, but but he's just throwing defenders away, you know, off him, and he's he's loving it. I think it's great for him, and he's in a great position now because there'll be plenty of clubs that'll be interested in him. Um, Nottingham Forest, if they go up, I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll be in the position to to lodge um, a formal bid to get him permanently. And I think Villa will be quite pleased as well because look, he's he's finally at the level now where they can sell him on for a good amount of money. And don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months currently. Just head to theathletic.com slash villapod. You'll get full access to all the great writing and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. So if anyone wants to read Greg's piece on the future of Villa's midfield, take advantage of that offer and you'll be able to do just that. While we're on the topic of your articles, Greg, we should probably mention Sean Maloney. You went to see him a couple of weeks ago at Hibernian and unfortunately things haven't gone well since and he's ended up losing his job. Yeah, it's quite it's quite sad actually because you know I didn't have a, 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 any kind of relationship with with Maloney before I went up to Hibs and he was so kind and generous with his time. You know, he, he allowed me to literally do anything I wanted around the training ground and, and see how they worked. And I've seen how hard he was working and, and the effort that he was putting in behind the scenes, uh, which, which supporters, you know, just won't see. Um, and it's difficult, you know, it's difficult to come into one of those Scottish clubs who are not Saudi Core Rangers and then try and get results. I mean, I look at Hibs and, and that they were in the same position, similar to Villa really, you know, they were in the same position when, when Maloney came in. Um, he just he just wasn't able to, to to make them any better in terms of results. You know the results spoke for themselves. But yeah, it's shaming really because in in football you want the good guys to to succeed. And clearly he's a very very good coach. I just hope that he uh, uses the experience to 
uh, kick on in his next challenge because he'll be back. You know, he's a good, he's a brilliant coach, um, and 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 he wants to be a manager. So hopefully he'll he'll be uh, he'll be back in the future. Just seems a bit pointless from Hibbs's point of view. You haven't given just, him any time. You're not, for, uh, you know, you're not in any months, danger of you know, anything. What, what, why like, would you get rid of him and not give him a summer? Where where are we going? Like in football, if you get, if you're hiring a manager and giving him four months, to I mean, what that what can he do in in, in that time? Okay. Hibs didn't finish in, in the top six before the split. So, you know, they're now in the bottom half of the table for the remainder of the season, which isn't what they wanted, of course. They were going to be doing that anyway. Well, yeah, they were heading that way before before he signed. But, um, you know, the, the, the point's different. The, the, it was such a tight league that, you know, that I presume the owners looked at it and thought, well, you know, that's where we should be, top six. And then the semi-final didn't go their way on, on Saturday. They lost back-to-back games against Hearts, the Edinburgh rivals who have, who have kicked on this season. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's disappointing. It's gone against him. Um, I, I just feel it's a bit short-sighted, you know, four months when the budget's very low. Um, you've got a young manager who you've, who you've put your faith in and then you get rid of him after four months. It's not really a good sign for football if things like that are happening. No, give the guy time would be what I would say. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me at all. Let's talk WSL then, Holly, and the season's going to be over in just three weeks. Manchester United at home and Arsenal away. Probably about as tough as it gets at the moment in the WSL, but they are Villa's next two games. How are we feeling about those? Yeah, like you said, they're definitely tough. Manchester United are pushing to make Champions League football, so a win for them is is crucial. Arsenal are looking to to pip Chelsea to the post and and win the league title, especially after now being knocked out of the FA Cup. They will want some silverware this season under Jonas Eideval. So both of those teams are looking for like must-win games, while Villa will want the points and will want positive performance, but but. Uh, those points aren't as crucial for them obviously where they are on the table they've guaranteed safety so just at this point the aim is trying to finish as high as possible and as positively as possible for Villa so they'll be very very tough games for them but obviously kind of I think the game that I'm most excited for and, and probably a lot of Villa fans are most excited for is Birmingham City on the on the last day of the season on May 8th at Villa Park so I think if you can end on a high on that game which they should do um, it'll kind of end the season off nicely I think for Carl Ward and Aston Villa yeah, tickets are available for that game, I think, now against Birmingham City. It should be a good day at Villa Park. And it'll be nice to finish as well, Holly, without like your future up in the air after, after the turbulent season last season, not knowing what league they're going to be on the last day. At least they can end on a positive at Villa Park, playing their rivals who will already be relegated. You know, It's a good chance to, to have some positive momentum and end well at Villa Park. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you know, women's football is a little bit more kind of punishing in the sense that player contracts were a lot shorter. Um, players tend to move a lot more freely. So... Ending the season on a win and on a positive note will be will hopefully play quite an important role for for Carla Ward in trying to convince players to stay and sign new contracts in the summer. Um, you know, Villa looking to continue to bolster on what they've already done under Carla Ward will be key for them if they're looking to push towards the top half of the table next season. So um, they've got a lot to think about, and I I don't envy Carla Ward in in how much work she's going to have to do. She uh, I kind of I reread Flo's piece recently where she interviewed Carla Ward about saying how she was having you know staying up till one a.m. in the morning looking for transfers and looking for strikers. So if people haven't already read that, they should check it out because it's great insight into Carla Ward and who she is as a manager and as 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 a person. And I think Villa will be very busy this summer. And Alicia Lehman put herself in the shop window at the weekend on Soccer AM on absolute fire in the car park. I don't know whether either of you saw that. Yeah, top bins. 
Honestly, yeah, yeah. I don't, I've, I've never seen anyone do that before. Yeah. What she was doing. She hit the crossbar first time. She hit the top bins from the penalty. She was on absolute fire. Yeah, she's an unbelievable player. And like it was a positive surprise when they when Villa announced that she was coming to the club. So if they can keep on to the likes of of her, Petzelberger, uh, Gilnick, I think is how you pronounce her name, as a front three, Villa could be really threatening next season. But like I said, player contracts change so quickly in, in the women's game. So it might be quite difficult and... and you know, Layman's proven why she maybe deserves to be at a different team, maybe at the likes of Spurs or someone like that, where she wants to be pushing towards European football. Um, you know, it's going to be tricky for Villa, but I think she's really settled into Villa. Obviously, you know, she's met Douglas Louise at the club and, and if both are staying at the club, they might she might just feel comfortable to stay in the West Midlands. So it'll be interesting to see who they keep. I think the good thing about Villa's uh, women's team now is that is the facilities that are available to them as well. You know, they, they eat in the same canteen as the men, and and they train in the same first class facilities. You know, state of the art gym, etc. And and there's a real professionalism about the the club and and how they look after the players there. So I think the players are really happy. You know, that they're, they're on they're on decent contracts now, and and they're a club that are kicking forward. Yeah, things like that will help because the word will get round that Villa's a great place to work day in, day out, and that could attract exactly. end up attracting more players. You know, someone like Jill Scott's come to the club and she's probably been a little bit surprised by the facilities, I, I, I would say. I mean, that, that is an assumption on my behalf, but, you know, someone like Jill Scott saying, wow, you know, Villa, I've been, I've been there on loan. It's excellent facilities, excellent day to day. Stuff like that will help, won't it, Holler? Yeah, definitely. You know, as well as getting Anna Patton in on loan from Arsenal. You know, Arsenal are obviously such a, a high caliber club. So to bring loan players in from from the likes of them is really important for Villa and also probably a really good way to potentially bring them back on loan or on a permanent signing next summer because of how good the facilities are at Aston Villa. And obviously, it's also probably been a, probably a relief for Carla Ward as well. Obviously, when she was at Birmingham City last season, they had real issues with the training facilities getting kicked off of pitches by because of youth teams needing to train as well. Whereas at Villa. It's a completely different story. You know, the women's team are valued and respected. I'm not saying that's not necessarily the case at Birmingham City, but there's just a better structure for the women's team at Aston Villa and that will 100% draw players in because, you know, there isn't massive amounts of money in the women's game in England. So having facilities to kind of almost boost up those contracts is such an important thing for, for female players. So hopefully it'll be a key reason as to why a lot of really good players join Aston Villa in the summer. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Back to the men's team. It's quite a weird running to end the season. We've got Liverpool and City, which, to be honest, I fear. 
at the moment, but also Dean Smith's Norwich, and we've got to play Burnley twice as well. Next up, Greg, it's Leicester at the Walker Stadium. Bizarrely, the only game that Villa have come behind to win so far this season was Leicester at home, and Esri Conser scored twice after Villa had gone 1-0 down. How are you seeing the weekend? Uh, yeah, it was, it was at Leicester uh, previous weekend. I picked up again. When covered covered the game, yeah, Leicester versus Crystal Palace. I mean, they they rested six or seven of the players because the the Europa Conference is their is their preference now. I think they I think they're a good side. I think they're a stronger side than Villa across the board. I think they can bring players off the bench that will have more of an impact than than Villa's bench players do. Um, so you know that's something that Villa will be looking at in, in in the summer to try and to try and get closer to, to to them in terms of that. I think I really like Brendan Rodgers as a manager. I think he um, tactically he's good, isn't he? You know he knows how to mix up games and and, and go and get the results that they need. Um, not not been the best of seasons, but a really good success story. Leicester, you know, winning the FA Cup and obviously doing doing great in Europe this year. Just shows, isn't it, the Europa Conference? It, it was kind of. Yeah, frowned upon almost when it was when it was introduced. But if if, if you're in the semi final now and you're a Villa fan, you know you'd be buzzing, wouldn't you? Be be brilliant. Well, yeah, to... Got West Ham. West Ham's the one at the moment. I mean, I this Europa League's so a bit different. Isn't it? That. Europa League's a bit different, obviously, because that's is still relatively prestigious. You know, certainly for for a club like Villa, because any European football will be good. But um, you know, the Europa Conference, Leicester have got the, the the task of going to become the first winners, and that's what they're trying to do. Now they're trying to make history. And that gets them into the Europa League next season, which is another another good stepping stone for them um, and just keeps on that feel-good factor around King Power Stadium. So, yeah, I, I was there. I like it. I like going there. I think the atmosphere is great. You know, they've still got the clappers. Um, so, that, you know, it gets, the, gets the, the noise levels up. I think they're an exciting side. Really enjoyed watching Villa actually against them at Villa Park, and yeah, that was yeah, a good game. Very, they were very, very good performance that day. I mean, I think a couple of players missed some really good chances. Ramsey had that unlucky chance, didn't he? Watkins missed a couple of one-on-ones, but uh, they went and got the result. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can get something similar because. It's not been great going to the King Power Stadium in, in previous years. Yeah, so, Although actually saying that, they, they did win when Ross Barkley scored, yeah. didn't they? So, um, I mean, the one that jumps out for me about the King Power Stadium is always going to be the relegation season when Villa were 2-0 up and all was good with the world. And then from that yeah. from that game onwards, it didn't really ever get good again. Oh, no, it was awful. I mean, but to be fair, that that, that was bad. But the actual the 4-0 or 3-0 defeat under under Dean Smith before yeah, lockdown was, that one as well, was, was the worst. I mean, that was... That was probably the worst performance I've ever seen from from a Villa team covering them, and and I did I did fear for Dean Smith then. I thought he's going to lose his job because Villa Villa would have had Chelsea the week after who were flying, um, but fortunately the well say fortunately fortunately for for Villa COVID came um, and uh, he was able to save them. Villa's player of the season that season, COVID, coming in and saving the day. That just about does us for this week. Don't forget there's that pound per month offer for your first six months that you can take advantage of at the moment when you head to theathletic.com slash Villa pod. Have a good rest of the week and as always, up the Villa. <laughs>